children immigrants in the United States, what to do? Uh, do we keep them here? Do we embrace them? Or do you adopt the send them back theory and, and they're illegal and they shouldn't be here? Let's find out the children's story with us here at What's the Story on the PeopleChronicles.com. I'm Joe Painter. Amelia Frank Vitale is with us along with Eduardo Garcia and husband and wife team. You met somewhere along this journey, which is a beautiful thing, and your your um, feelings to help help migrant children have aligned. So I want to go back to 2011. You were just telling me, Amelia, it's Guerreros del Camino. Did I say that correctly? Guerreros Guerrero. del Camino. Guerreros del Camino. Warrior walk? Um, Loosely translated? More like um, warriors of the road. Warriors of the Road, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that name comes from, there's a shelter in southern Mexico called Hermanos del Camino, Hermanas en el Camino, which means Brothers in the Road. And it's the name of a shelter that has, since 2007, been offering support, a safe place to sleep, food, and shelter to Central American migrants on their way through Mexico. And where is it located? In Ixtepec, Oaxaca, in southern Mexico. Ixtepec. Mm-hmm. And... I started to read this. This was your master's thesis? Yes. So I, I assume you went there? Yes, yes. From, from what I'm reading. And, and you open with a, a couple of vignettes, actually. And you describe this way station where you say that the scene is the same every day. Sometimes it's a few people. Sometimes it's hundreds. Describe the scene. Um, so the first time I got to the shelter was in 2010. And I got there in the evening. And we waited a few hours um, until the sun set, it got dark, and then a train arrived in Ixtepec, in this town of Ixtepec. Um, this is a cargo train, and on top of the cargo train were a couple hundred people, mostly from Central America, migrants who were trying to get through Mexico. On top of the train, not yes. in the in the. No, they, they generally no, they ride on top of the train. This is a cargo train. They're not, except for a few very. Um, very specific exceptions. There's no passenger rail anymore in Mexico. I'm getting the American image of, and I think we can all ring this up, the hobo, where you sure. would jump the freight train and mm-hmm. you're in the freight train. Mm-hmm. That didn't happen. Why on top? You can't get into the the train oh, cars, okay. generally. Okay. The train cars are full of, of stuff. Um, there's a Got bunch it. of different kinds of train cars, but a lot of them are actually top-loading train cars. So okay. you can't... Uh, if there were open boxcars, people would happily ride inside. It seems inside. awfully dangerous. That's why. It's terribly dangerous. Absolutely. Riding on top of a freight train is an extremely dangerous way to travel. And you're saying hundreds? Hundreds. Absolutely. Um, the numbers are, are not, there's no good statistics on this, but the best estimate is that around 400,000 Central Americans try to get through Mexico every year. Um, so that's people from El Salvador, Guatemala, Honduras, primarily some from Nicaragua, and people from really all over the world, actually, um, join into this this flow um and not everybody does it this way but a lot of people um ride on top of freight train and that's trains. just to get to mexico that's to get through mexico to the through mexico to the u.s border yeah, yeah. and what happens at the way station that's it's it's so this is a I, shelter it's not it's not legal to do this no it's not legal okay no but um it's not legal but it's very common although mexico is just recently talking about cracking down and trying to well, stop I'm people from doing this. if there's hundreds, the, the authorities must, you know, turn a blind eye. Yes, in some cases. In some cases, they ask for bribe money. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. 
Yeah. Um, so there's all along the train lines in Mexico, there are shelters that have been started generally by people who are affiliated with the Catholic Church, so an individual priest or an individual nun, although they get very little support from the church hierarchy. Um, it's really individual projects um, where they've developed places for migrants to have a safe place to stay for a few days, to eat a hot meal, perhaps be able to call their relatives, um, bathe, and rest for a little while before getting back on the train to go for the next however many miles until the next shelter. Is there a sense of, what's the sense in, in the shelter that you visited? What was the feeling? Well, I've been, I've been to shelters all over Mexico. I've been to shelters from the southern border to the northern border. Um, and the feeling changes a lot. In the southern, towards the southern border, so in Ixtepec, in this shelter, people get to Ixtepec after riding on a train for about 12 or 14 hours. Um, this is the same distance that takes about three hours in a car. But Are there children? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Um, and it's 12 or 14 hours on top of essentially a tin can. So the sun of southern Mexico is very, very strong. And so you're baking kind of from both ends, really, because it reflects back up off the metal of the, of the train car. Um, there's no water. There's no bathroom. There's no protection from the sun or the rain or the wind or the bees. It's it's very 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 trying physically. How many are killed? I have to ask. You can't. I can't imagine everybody survives. There is any statistics about how many people died in that ride because the government is not interested in doing that research. The government is more interested in look how many money enter for migrants for Mexican migrants, but and also sometimes for. Central American migrants, but this is not interesting in look how many people disappeared during during that ride, and also it's not interesting in look of uh, research how many people died there. But there are so many people that if they have some luck, they only lost one of their legs or maybe one of their arms. But there are so many people that died. Uh, for example, there is an organization called uh, Migrante uh, Mesoamericano Movimiento Migrante Mesoamericano. And they make an estimate, and they said that from 2006 to 2012, there were about 75,000 migrants disappeared in Mexico. Uh, why in Mexico and not in El Salvador or Honduras or any of the other countries are coming from? Why, why is the disappearance in Mexico? Or is that the only country tracking it? Well, the, it's actually migrants disappeared, but generally people can get through Central America safely. There's, there's not really... A much of a problem traveling through Central America. Um, if you're from Nicaragua and you have to get through El Salvador and Guatemala or Honduras and Guatemala to get to Mexico, sure, things happen on the road, absolutely, but it's not a real common phenomenon. It's not, um, it's not a crisis. It's not Why a is it a crisis. problem then in Mexico? Well, there are so many factors that contribute for, for one side. Uh, as Amelia said, the indifference of the authorities and also the corruption of the authorities, but also the violence that have been occurring in Mexico since 2006, since the uh, Felipe Calderón, the ex-president of Mexico, uh, established the war against narcotraffic. So that in, during that years or during these years have been an increasing of 
uh, violence in Mexico. So the war against drugs, the American war against drugs, and and get um, our our neighbors in Mexico and the president to join us in the war against drugs, where the intent is good. The intent is, well, we're going to free our streets from, from drugs and, and help keep it out of the hands so people can live longer and not be on drugs, had a bad effect on immigrants well, you or know, migration. It has affected in so many ways. Well, uh, the violence is one of, the, of those topics, of these hot topics, because from 2006 to 2012, there were more than 100 people murdered in Mexico. Is it drug lords and drug violence, gang violence? Not not all the time, but during the drug war, there, the government well, the government have uh, hide or have been have been treating of uh, hide like uh, repression as one struggle between drug cartels or sometimes the drug uh, the war against drug have been have been used as a pretext to do other things or to repress people or to repress social movements. How much does influence does any drug cartel at any given time have over the government? Well, there is I mean, there's got to be influence there, I yeah, imagine. There is there's so too much many, money. There is so much influ influence there. They suppose that one of the Mexican drug cartels, the Cartel del Golfo, uh, it was supposed to be the most important and powerful uh, drug cartel in all the world, for example. Okay, so we hear about the the war on drugs and the drug gangs and the cartel. Um, and then we hear the children are migrating to America to escape the gang violence. Is that a true statement? So uh, I think there's a lot of things that get kind of Mixed lumped up? together. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So there's there's this really intense cartel violence in Mexico. The drug cartels are extremely powerful in Mexico. And actually, calling them drug cartels is a little bit misleading because they're really transnational organized crime groups. They, mm. are, they do traffic drugs, but they traffic a lot of other things too. And they, have, they are absolutely willing to diversify into trafficking people, trafficking oh. arms, trafficking organs, um, among other things. Organs. Uh, or, absolutely. Absolutely. Among other things. I mean, they're really... Um, Multi multinationals um, and multi billionaires, uh, and Mexico is the home base for many of these cartels. Yes. Okay. Yes, absolutely. Um, so, uh, one of the ways in which this affects immigrants is that at some point the drug cartels realized that migrants traveling through Mexico were easy targets for kidnapping. Uh, I had a migrant, a 21-year-old guy from Honduras once tell me that they descubrieron la mina del migrante, which means they discovered the gold mine oh, that, the that, is, that are the migrants. Yeah. So um, kidnapping of migrants has become a really common practice in Mexico. For human trafficking, for organs, for... I don't want to be sound yeah, naive, all, but I think we all are. All of that is part of it. But, but it's really uh, mostly about ransom. Because oh. the people who are trying to get to the United States are really, really eager and really desperate to get there. And they figure that they probably have family members in the United States who will pay ransom. I um, have That was my next question. If they don't have any money, who's the ransom coming from? 
I've talked to, uh, I talked to, for example, a young man from El Salvador who was kidnapped along with his brother, and they demanded $4,500 for each of them. Did and they get it? Yeah. They got it together. They got the money together. Mm-hmm. So the, the migration, the immigrants have, it, see, and that's the other thing. They have family here, and they're trying to get them here. They don't always have family here. I don't think, can, we can, it seems like a broad brush. I feel like we're using a broad brush. It's hard to, to talk about this <laughs> in any other way, right? But there, there are a lot of people who have family here. Okay. The, this current migration situation can't be looked at in a vacuum. So in the 80s and 90s, the 70s, 80s, and 90s, Central America was the site of really horrific civil wars. In Guatemala, it was actually much longer than that. Um, But El Salvador and Guatemala both lived through really, really bloody and horrific civil wars, which, like war tends to do, generated huge outflow of refugees. And most of those refugees tried to get to the United States. And a lot of those people who became refugees in the United States and received what's called temporary protected status um, have made lives here and have lived here since then and have, of course, family members back in, in Central America. So there's, there's a relationship between the communities in Central America and the communities here that goes back decades. Um, it's so complex, and there's so many layers I can hear this. this. <laughs> I can hear this now. I, I'm, I'm going to stop on sure. that note because you mentioned refugees and you mentioned immigrants. And I know I have wondered, and some others, um, are the children who are here without family, are they refugees or are they immigrants? And we'll find out uh, more thoughts on that and more about individual journeys um, from your experiences um, in the next part here on What's the Story on the PeopleChronicles.com. <laughs> 